Hello and welcome to Philly and the Over, a brand new Philadelphia-based sports gambling podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe Simonera. I'm joined by Shane Curran. Shane, tell us what's on tap for today. Penn State season preview, Penn State versus West Virginia, and college football bets. All right, time to cash in. Joe, before we dive into the Penn State season preview, last week was a rough one for you. Rough way to start Ugh. out the, the year. Owen brutal. Two. Owen two. Brutal. Um, two missed field goals in the Navy Notre Dame game uh killed me in Ireland. Uh and then I I uh was way too eager with uh Vanderbilt. Um they are not a good football team. Uh <laughs> and if you're a Vandy fan, I oof, man, I'm pushing the panic button uh, and don't get me wrong I, I think that that hawaii looks looks decent uh you know the quarterback schrager seems to be pretty comfortable with uh with with his coach timmy chang and um you know they get stanford this week and i think stanford's slight favorite in that game but but hawaii could get out to a 2-0 uh star which would be shocking but uh you know you really thought at this point and look vanderbilt won the game and let's not you know forget that that's the ultimate goal. But um, I think that if you're a Vandy fan and you know, you're not beating up on Hawaii, there might be a little bit of concern. So let's see what happens when they get into their schedule a little bit. Um, this this could, could be, it could be cause for concern though, but uh, uh, you know, I'm confident I'm going to, I'm going to bounce back, you know, a week zero is uh, it's, it's, it's week zero for, for betters too. So um, we're going to bounce back this week. I, I got a good feeling. Yeah. You have five picks coming up later and you're looking to, Get back to even on the year, hopefully a few games above. Before we get to that, let's talk about Penn State. So Penn State opens their season this Saturday, but the outlook for the season is is more broad than just you know the West Virginia game Saturday night. Last year they finished eleven and two. That's seven and two in the conference. Their two losses came to Michigan, forty one seventeen, a blowout. Ohio State, forty four thirty one. The Lions have eight offense and eight defensive starters returning to their team. So they should be an experienced team coming into this year, uh, building off of that 11 and two. It's also Franklin's 10th season with the team. Now, let me run down some of these numbers for you. And then we can, we can talk about Franklin before we talk about the season itself. So his 10th year at Penn State, he is 78 and 36. So that's a 68.4 win percentage. He is 12 and 22 against top 25 teams. And he's 0-10 in his last 10, uh, I'm sorry, since 2016 against top 10 teams. So that's 0-10 against top 10 since 2016. Uh, also, he's 4-4 in bowl games. Now, all that being said, he just signed a $10 million uh, extension, or a 10-year extension. So kudos for him for pulling that off. But, I mean, we look at some of these numbers. These these are not good, good numbers here. Uh... Yeah, there, there's really only only two numbers I think that that matter when when you're talking about James Franklin and it's uh, four and five and that is uh, in relation to the star recruits that he he brings in. He brings nothing but four stars and five stars, um, and you're in a position right now to win a national championship because of the talent he's he's amassed. Um, I think Franklin is is not a X's and O's coach. We we talked about that all the time. Um, you have to hope that that and I was really critical of Manny Diaz a lot last year. I think, and I think the talent. And when I look back, I think the talent last year uh, should have yielded better results on defense and and offense uh, maybe a little different. You had you know the freshman running backs and Sean Clifford's a quarterback, but Manny Diaz and Mike Yersich are, are really you know 
they're they're really really important to Franklin, and they have to call great games um, for this team to be successful. So Franklin can bring in the talent and sort of manage the program probably better than you know most people in the country can. And, and and when you're breaking down these these tiers, like I say, Franklin's sort of like the CEO of the program. There are, I mean, there may be three guys in the entire country that are X and O geniuses and can also manage a program like that. And it's Saban, Smart, and Sweeney. So it, it's it's not like I'm out here saying, "No, we got to fire James Franklin because uh, he can't beat you know these teams and he's he's bad against these guys." Um, I think that you're you're at a point now where he's been able to uh, bring in the talent. Um, I think that you can't trust him to, you know, game plan on a game to game basis, but you have to hope that you have these, you know, Manny Diaz is a head coach next year, almost certainly. And your could be, could be as well. So you have to hope that those guys do a really good job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not, they're not, you know, they're not horrible numbers. They're not great numbers, but he's bringing in four and five stars. And that's, that's really what would you need uh, to, to compete on this level. It's, it's, it's uh, very, very much about, about the Jimmy's and the Joe's, not the X's and the O's as they say. So, um, in that regard, Franklin's done a good job. Uh, you know, the X's and O's are going to struggle, and, and you have to just accept that. That that's James Franklin. If you if you want these players, you're gonna you're gonna have to hope that he hires good coordinators and and roll with that because he he's not not a great in game coach. Yeah, I I couldn't have summarized it any better. I I totally agree with you on all points there. Uh, not one that I would disagree with. I think, as you said, you know, bringing in running the program as a CEO is is a perfect way to 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 look at this. Uh, if he is the X to no guy on the sideline, I think we're in trouble. So we really need just, um, you know, consistency with the, with the offense and defensive coordinator going into this year. And, uh, you know, we have 10 years left to Franklin. So he still has, uh, he has some, some running room here. Why not get it started with beating Michigan and Ohio state this year? And, uh, and, you know, solidify one for the program. So in addition to Franklin coming back for 10 years, we also have some first teamers that are coming back. And that is Olu Fashanu and Kalen King on, uh, Kalen King on defense. We're both named to the preseason all American team. Uh, there's also two third star, uh, or third teamers, which was Chop Robinson and Abdul Carter. And Nick Singleton was the running back for the fourth team, all American. Um, were you surprised that anyone else wasn't on this list? Um, n- not, no, not, not, not really. I, I think there's, there, there's probably a case to be made for, uh, you know, Chop Robinson's kind of made on the other end of these Isaac. Um, I'm sure he's on some of the all big 10 lists. Um, and I think that, you know, a guy like, like uh, Johnny Dixon, the opposite cornerback to Kalen King. I think after this season, he ends up on one of those lists. But but going into it, uh, you know, again, cornerback. There's a lot of really good cornerbacks. Let's let's yeah, and that could be very that, similar but... to to Joey Porter Jr. last year. Kalen King wasn't really on the radar. Joey yeah, Porter exactly. Jr. was. Yeah, and it's just you know passing the torch. Yep, and and I think by by the end of last season, it was like, oh wait, King is better than than Porter. Like that that that's kind of how how it goes. Um, so no, I'm not I'm not. I think that that's that's all fair. I'm I'm glad that that. Uh, Fashano and King were both uh, first team All Americans. I know that that there's a, um, a debate with with who's the best tackle in, in football. Is it Fashano or is it Joe Alt in Notre Dame? And Joe Alt looked looked really good against just a overmatched Navy uh, front. And so I'm I'm curious to see what Fashano does against uh, against West Virginia. But but I think that's all that's all fair. And and look, it, it 
I mean, you know, Chop Robinson was a was a transfer, but um, it, it does go back to to recruiting with the other three with with Fashano and King and, um, and and Singleton, of course, and you know, they're all all guys that are uh, were highly touted coming in and and have improved and um, played really well. So, all the biggest story, yeah, the biggest story going into this this entire offseason was. Now, no longer having Sean Clifford running the offense. Now we get a five-star recruit again. Uh, he is a quarterback, Drew Aller. He played in, I think it was eight games last year. Uh, he took a snap in and uh, he played some significant time in some of those. And when he when he played, he was so much different from the quarterbacks that we've had over the past. I mean, Clifford was there for six years. So past, you know, nine years between McSorley and and Clifford. Whereas you look almost back to Hackenberg, where you just have a, a pocket passer. Now Drew Aller is he's he's an athletic uh guy, but he truly prefers to throw the ball. And you can see that, you know, as he leaves the pocket, his eyes are always still downfield. Whereas over the past years, guys are looking to, you know, run the ball more. Um, what are you most excited about for for this kid and and this offense? I I think for 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 Drew Aller, the the thing that that has I guess stood out in camp and that James Franklin made made mention of on on or in his uh, game day press conference on Tuesday was uh, he went about thirteen or fourteen pra- practices. Franklin said without throwing an interception, without turning the ball over. Um, that's what Drew Aller needs to do. We saw him. He came in and you know uh, in the first game of the last season against Purdue when when Sean Clifford got hurt. And I think he may have completed like one, you know, kind of an easy throw. And then his next pass, I mean, it was a fastball just across the middle and, and it sailed over the receiver's head. But he, I mean, you kind of saw like, oh, this guy's got a cannon. Like there, there's some arm talent here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Penn State is in is in a position where uh, it's going to be hard to get pressure on him with, with the offensive line. And, and let's circle back to the offensive line in a, in a second. But uh, it's going to be really hard to get pressure on him. And then you have just two running backs who are, are two of the top 10 running backs in college football and Singleton and Allen. Um, so he's got a lot of help there, but I think that, that Aller, what I look for, you know, this season, or I'm sorry, what I look for early in the season is just protect the football. Just, just make the easy play. You don't have the strongest receiving core in Penn state history on this team. And we'll, we'll talk about that. There's some question marks, um, but you know, protect the ball, you know, use tight ends like Penn state quarterbacks in the past. have done. you have Theo Johnson, you have Tyler Warren, um, different, different guys. Johnson's, you know, more of that, that, Fire Muth Kasicki type type offensive weapon. Um, use your tight ends and and uh, uh, freshman uh, Andrew Rappelier uh, is a guy who very well might make an impact this year. But um, use your weapons. Don't turn the ball over. That's what we need from Drew Aller. The defense should be able to take care of the rest, but you cannot turn the ball over. And it seems like and Kalen King echoed it too uh, in in his media availability. He just said, uh, he, like he said, it's frustrating for me because uh, you know I, I'm I'm a first team All American and I can't get my hands on a ball at the guy's throwing. So um, that's all good news. And I think that if that carries into the season, um, that's, that's what you can ask for, for Drew Aller early on. And then, you know, as we progress and things start opening up, uh, you know, I expect this guy to be just, just an absolutely phenomenal quarterback. We need to spend some time on, on the receiving core and the tight ends. But before we do that, the, the offensive line you talked about, we have, uh, you know, three juniors, a, a senior and a sophomore that are starting for us this year. Uh, the running backs, we have, like you mentioned, Nick Singleton and Kivion Allen, and both of them, you know, their ability to both be on the field, each have, you know, 12 carries a game rather than have a burden of 25 keeps them both fresh. So when they're out there and we saw the explosiveness, explosiveness from Nick Singleton and dare I compare him to Barkley of pass when he touches the ball, it's, it's almost unfair when he, when he tries to yep. get to the outside, it's like watching, you know, I always compare it to watching, 
um, you know, a, a grade school game where whoever the fastest kid is, he gets to the outside and he just beats everyone there. That's yep. similar to what Nick, Nick Singleton has looked like on some of his deep runs last year. So last year, Penn State, they had um, they made a significant jump in their running game and had 181.1 rushing yards. Do you see an over or under on the season average for that this year? 181 rushing yards a game. All right, so you play Delaware, um, which is, I mean, if Singleton wants 300 yards, it's not a problem. Um, I mean, but he's probably only going to carry it. You know, I, I think Delaware is a game where he'll probably carry it seven times for, you know, 180 and three touch, something like that, you know. Um, I, I think with, with Allen, you also have that that ability. And then Trey Potts is a transfer from Minnesota who um, has over 1,000 uh, career rushing yards. He was kind of behind Mo Ibrahim, though, at, at Minnesota. Um and, and I think that, you know, I'm, I'm going to go over that because I think er, they I think they they have enough weak defenses early in the season where they're going to try to take take some pressure off of Aller. And I think they're going to run up huge rushing totals. Um, you know, Clifford wasn't exactly a a running quarterback. He he, he was responsible for a couple yards, though. Um, I think Aller can kind of do the same. And if they ever use Prabula, um, gadget player otherwise, that's a guy who can who can run out of the out of the pocket. So um, I'm going to I'm going to go over there. I think I think that it just it, it, it it's it makes a lot of sense to use your running backs and, and uh, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I mentioned, you know, I mentioned some cupcakes on the schedule in in um, you know, in Delaware and UMass um, where, uh, you know, I, I think that a you know freshman like London Montgomery is going to get, going to get some work. And I mean, London Montgomery is, is a, a I think he was a four or five star out of, out of a, a Scranton prep. Um, and he looks, he looks great. He, he uh, just overcame an injury, um, where I think he missed his senior year, but, um, you know, the, the, I was just watching some, some highlights of him and it's, it's incredible. So that, that's a guy who can, who can come in and get some run, uh, as a freshman in some of those easy games. So I'm going to go over, I think they're going to run up, a, they're going to have a lot of big rushing totals early. Yeah. So you have, uh, you have a rookie or a freshman quarterback, right? He's, it's making his first start. So you have Drew Aller coming in and, um, making his first start for Penn state, the best way to make him feel comfortable is to get the run game going. That's going to lead to play action passes. And it's, it's just going to make the game so much easier for him. I actually see some of those cupcake games that you mentioned, such as Delaware as almost, you know, being more of a pass heavy offense in those type of games, just to, you know, sort of build up Aller's confidence early, because I think in those games, they know, like you mentioned, we ever need a touchdown, we can just turn around, hand it off. So let's, you know, see what would look like if he needs to win us a game and put him in those type of situations just to really help him later in the year when, you know, you're, you're playing away at Ohio state and you need to make a play. If it's third and long, you know, he's been there before. Right. So, um, although the crowd, you know, won't be the same as it won't be as hostile in that situation. At least he'll have some, some in-game experience there. Yeah. I think, I think that that's a key as well. It's a good point moving forward in, in some of these, I mean, cause you know, you, you have West Virginia and, and they're not to be overlooked. They, they played well at the end of, end of last season. They have a good offensive line, a couple of weapons, not, not to be overlooked at all. Uh, but then you get Delaware, but then you got to play Illinois and Iowa back to back Two really tough, really, really tough games. Um, and then you get Northwestern, should be a pushover and then you get UMass and now you're on to Ohio state. So it's kind of an interesting way the schedule sets up. Um, but yeah, I think that there, there are instances there where Aller can um, certainly build, build his confidence. Um, and, and just while we're, while we're talking about the offense um, probably, I don't know, an hour or so before we hopped on here, uh, uh, 
Penn State, uh, former five-star recruit, uh, another one, um, left guard Landon Tangwall, uh, retired from from football. So um, Tangwall was was out with an undisclosed injury for um, for for much of the preseason, but was still expected to, to at least start at, at left guard next to next to Fashanu. Um, that's not going to happen. We don't still don't know what, what happened. Um, it's, it's certainly a shame. We hope it's not, you know, a, a head or a heart type of injury, anything like that. But um, so he, he, he is retired. So, you know, he will not be on the roster. Um, and this is where depth comes into play. And at, at guard, you had, you know, you got pretty lucky with, with that there and you'll have JB Nelson um, who can step in and, and he'll get the start there. I, I would, I would imagine against West Virginia. So, uh, you know, you're across the front, you're, you're going to be Fashanu Nelson, uh, Hunter Norris at it at center, a lot of experience there. Um, and then you're going to have uh, Sal warmly at right guard and, and Caden Wallace, I would expect to play um, a tackle, but you also have Drew Shelton um, coming in a tackle. I, uh, sure he'll get some snaps early in the season he, he's apparently impressed a lot in camp so uh, you have the offensive line depth it sucks to lose a five-star recruit in tangwall but the guy um has battled injuries you know pretty much his, his entire penn state career which which just sucks but um you know i i, I think that it's it's a loss but but i think you know you, you recruit depth for a reason and i think penn state will be okay um but yeah just while we're on the offense just wanted to wanted to make note of that yeah, moving on to the to the wide receiver core and the the pass catchers in general. Theo Johnson coming into uh, coming into this year has some big shoes to fill. Over the past few years, last year, you know, Brendan Strange, one of the one of the program's better players. Before that, Pat Fryermuth, so many tight ends. Uh, Mike Sicky coming out. He has some some big shoes to fill in that role. However, in his time last year, he he looked really good as a as a potential uh, weapon. So Theo Johnson, I would say, is, is probably coming in as the most reliable pass catcher. You have uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Dante Cephas, and Harrison Wallace rounding out the starting core there. Uh, you mentioned that this is not the deepest core that Penn State has had in recent history, and I think those names right there go to go to show that. However, it could be more of a you know wide receiver by committee type of year for the for the Nittany Lions. Well, I think I mean Theo Johnson's going to be. Uh, I think that he is going to impress people. I, I don't want to compare him to Gasicki or, or Frymuth in terms in terms of production, but but Theo Johnson is going to be right up there, and he's going to be really, really, really good, and he's going to be a really good NFL player. Um, so you're lucky to have that in your your back pocket if you're Drew Aller. Um, I think that Penn State, you know, I think they really wanted to uh, uh, keep Keandre Lambert Smith in, in the slot. I think that's where they they figure that he could, you know, do the most damage. Um, doesn't look like that's going to happen uh, because they just have not been able to have um, anyone kind of claim that um, the other starting spot um, opposite uh, Trey Wallace uh, on the outside. So um, I, I think. If you know, if we were to do like a bold prediction or something, I, I would say that Trey Wallace leads the team in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns at the end of this at the end of the season. I think he's that good. But on that other side, you expected Dante Cephas to transfer from Kent State to just come in and and take that. And apparently, he really it looks like he may not have. So I think what what we might see a lot of is is Keandre Lambert Smith and, and Trey Wallace on the outside, and and Sean's brother Liam Clifford. I think could see a lot of time in the slot. Um, you know, I hope that that as the season kind of gets underway and, and Cephas becomes more, more acclimated to the Penn state offense. Um, I hope that he, he does take that spot. You have, uh, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith in the, in the slot. Um, but, but I think in, until that happens, I, I really do think you're going to have some, some Liam Cliff, Liam Clifford, uh, playing in the slot, which uh, not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, just, just interesting. I, I mean, it, maybe not exactly what, uh, 
what we what we thought it was going to look like. Um, the the other the other guy, I I now the two guys I think can can sort of probably named some of us know, but can really get the names out there. It's going to be Amari Evans and Caden Saunders. Those are two guys that I look for uh, to have productive years. And one of those guys very well may step up and be playing a lot. Uh, Amari Evans, uh, you know, he had some flashes last year with Drew Aller when they were just, you know, beating the shit out of teams and they're coming in the game, you know, when it's, when it's over. But, um, you know, I, I look for, for that to be, um, those two guys to maybe step up. Um, the last guy in the receiving core, you know, we'll mention is Malik McLean. He was a transfer from, from Florida state. Um, it looks like he's going to be more of a special teams guy. Um, I do think that, you know, this competition will be ongoing and we're going to look for somebody to step up, uh, outside of, of Lambert Smith and, uh, and, and Trey Wallace. And we'll see who that is, but, um, yeah, I, that that's, that's an area of concern for me is, is wide receiver for sure. Yeah, of, of all the positional groups throughout the team, this is definitely the one that concerns me most. And as you look at the the passing numbers from last year, Penn State averaged 252.5 passing yards per game. Uh, again, that's with Sean Clifford. So now you get more of a traditional passer back there. However, you lose some of the wide receiver talent and Brendan Strange and Parker Washington. So over under 250 and a half. It's going to be very, very close. Man, I am. Oh boy, that's going to be really close. I'll go. I'll go a hair over. I'll go a hair okay. over. I'm going to go think, under I there think, because okay. I, I think the rushing yeah. numbers are going to go up a little bit. So yeah. I'm going to say say a little bit under there. I, I do uh, think even with the loss of Parker Washington, the loss of Brenton Strange, I, I do think that this offense could take another step. Um, there's just it, it's a little bit of a jumble at, at wide receiver right now, uh, but I do think that that the pieces are there. It's just getting them to fit yep. together. So, um, Absolutely. I, I have, I've, have, I've confidence. The last over under number for you for the offense, the points per game last year, Penn state, uh, actually put up a, a decent number here, 35.8 points per game. What do you have over under 35.8? I am going to go over. Um, yeah, I think, again, I think that they can score a lot of points against, uh, Northwestern, a ton of points against Delaware, a ton of points against, uh, UMass, you know, I, uh, Rutgers, they play, they don't, you know, I mean, and I think that, that, you know, I think you go into, go into the shoe and when you beat Ohio state, uh, I think that could get, get into a, uh, a little bit of an offensive, uh, outpouring kind of a up and back up and down game, uh, to use a basketball term. But I just think there's a lot of areas here where this team can score a lot of points. Moving on to the defense, we already mentioned Kalen King at cornerback as the preseason All-American. The defensive line has, you know, it's pretty deep this year. Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson, as we talked about earlier. Uh, the defensive tackles, Devon Ellis, Zane Durant, um, Hakeem uh, Buman. And before we get to the to the linebacking core, you know, it seems like Penn State should have, you know, four to eight guys that they can rotate through on this defensive line throughout the year and and be confident in. Yeah. You, you know, you're definitely going to have, have chop Robinson to these Isaac and deny Dennis Sutton. are going to take, you know, deny Dennis Sutton is a guy that um, I have circled. I think that, that he just has a monster year. He was, I believe he was their highest rated recruit um, in the last class. So that includes Nick Singleton. Um, so I think that he takes a big step. And then I think, uh, um, I, I think at the tackle spots, you know, you mentioned Devon Ellis, uh, Hakeem Beeman, Zane Durant. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 a guy like uh, um, like Jordan Vandenberg steps up or or uh, you know name 
probably remember from last year, Kasai Izzard. Um, I think he'd come in. So they're going to rotate guys. And, and, you know, the one thing Manny Diaz certainly is known for is if, if there's talent in, in the group, in, in the, in, in the locker room, he's going to figure out ways to get it on the field. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a really talented, talented group. I think the whole defense you can really say is just a lot of weapons. Well, I think that's going to hold true as we get to the linebacker position. Cause Abdul Carter, we remember from last year, he he was second on the team in tackles um, going into this year. He, he has the most uh, returning tackles from last year. Uh, Kobe King and Curtis Jacobs are both solidified to have a role this year, but but Tony Rojas is another one that you mentioned. The talent's there. So, you know, how how much can we expect from him this year? Well, I think a lot. I think, you know, Tony Rojas is one of the guys who who was uh, green lighted, which which means they, you know, they they will play him and, and he will not be be redshirting. Um, they'll play him, you know, the season. I think uh, he, he's bring some value to special teams. But uh, I, I think that I think Tony Rojas plays plays quite a bit. I think he can. um I think he can play pretty much any, any linebacker position. He seems to be a high IQ guy. He got there in the spring. Um, and you know, it, it's interesting. I, I was, I was reading something or, or listening to, uh, um, an interview with somebody, a Penn state writer. And, uh, I think they were, they were posed a question, you know, or they posed a question, uh, you know, look at Abdul Carter. Now, um, there is so much more buzz around Tony Rojas at, <laughs> you know, at this point in his career, there was about Abdul Carter. He was in the same exact situation last year as Rojas. And there wasn't a ton of talk about Abdul Carter, maybe a little bit more on our radar, you know, you know, being a guy from, from Philly and, and playing at Lansdale or uh, uh, LaSalle prep. But um, Tony Rojas has a ton of buzz around him. I think he's going to play and I think he's going to be really good. Uh, it is a bit of a numbers game because you do have a lot of talent in, in Carter King and Jacobs. You have Tyler Elston, who, who was a starting middle linebacker last year, and he should play a lot. And then Dom DeLuca is another name you keep hearing about. He's a, he's a team captain, you know, definitely a special teamer, but he's going to get on the field of linebacker as well. Um, but Rojas could be that guy that I, I think it's denied Dennis Sutton, but I, uh, Rojas could be the guy who just steps up and blows everyone away. Um, that, that we're talking about, you know, as, as being one of the best defensive players in the country next year. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for, for Rojas. He's going to be flying around out there. The secondary, there are some big shoes to fill. You lose Joey Porter Jr. to the NFL draft as well as Jair Brown. Now, going into last year, you know, Franklin was talking a lot about how deep the cornerback competition is and how many NFL players were on this roster. So you lose two of them to the NFL. Joey Porter Jr., I would say actually had he underperformed last year. Aside from the first game where he nearly had three pick sixes, ended up, I think, with just one interception. Uh he didn't he didn't really impress. He was dinged up throughout the year and he slipped a little bit in the draft, fell out of the first round, first pick of the second round, Steelers trade up to get him. So there was clearly still some teams that that were looking at him. Um Kalen King was the one that jumped out to to me last year though, right? So, you know, you're you're looking for Joey Porter Jr. on the outside to to um shut be the shutdown defender. And and Kalen King held his own against some of, you know, the Ohio State's top receivers in in the country. So you look at trying to fill some of those shoes. You have Johnny Dixon Jr. Um, and that safety, you know, Jalen Reed, Keaton Ellis, a few other guys that are going to get in there this year. What do you make of the secondary? Well, I think there's legitimately nine guys who, who can play. I, I think I counted and you could win games with them. So, um, you know, obviously, Kalen King is is an elite player. And I think we, we talked about it last year. Um, you know, Joey Porter Jr. versus Marvin Harrison was going to be uh, the battle. It's going to be it's going to be uh, Kalen King versus Marvin Harrison Jr. And this is that's that's basically the game that will determine if Kalen King's going in the top 10 or, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, 
uh, top 20 if, if things don't go great. But um, that'll, that'll be huge. But then, you know, you have Daquan Hardy who's going to play a ton when, when they bring in the nickel package. Um, Johnny Dixon, we, we mentioned. I, I also think that Elliot Washington can play cornerback. Uh, Zion Tracy is another guy who uh, is going to be in there and playing and, and you know, two young players. Um, and then, you know, Keaton Ellis is, is – oh, one of the guys who represented, you know, Penn State at Big Ten Media Days is is really kind of a uh, um, like an Anthony Scarado kind of throwback Penn State player who I think uh, uh, will be a fan favorite and can certainly hold his own there. Uh, but then at safety, KJ Winston uh, or at the other safety rather, KJ Winston and Jalen Reed. Um, but I think both those guys are going to play play a ton. I don't I don't know that either separates and you know not for one being being worse than the other. I just think that they're two really, really good players. Um, and Zaki Wheatley is a guy who just has a nose for the football. And so Franklin loves that. And Zaki Wheatley gets on the field. Um, Manny Diaz is going to figure it out. Like, like I said, there's a lot of talent, but he's going to get that talent on the field. They're going to, they're going to utilize it. It's nothing's going to go to waste uh, in a Manny Diaz defense. So it, it's exciting. This, this defense should just be, be absolutely uh, lights out. I, I just think it's going to be a huge, huge, huge year for, for the Penn State defense. And they get started against West Virginia this upcoming Saturday. They are significant favorites in this game. The line is 20 and a half. It's at Beaver Stadium in Happy Valley. The over under 50 and a half. So, you know, if we're, if we're expecting Penn State to put up 40, um, then, uh, you know, we should probably just go ahead and, and take the line there. West Virginia, on the other hand, they're returning six offensive players and uh, seven defensive players, including their top three tacklers from last year. They have an experienced offensive line. Uh, their head coach, Neil Brown, you know, he indicated that he wants to run the ball and he wants to be a running football team. Uh, what type of do you think they'll be able to have any success running the ball against this this defense that we just covered? Uh, Penn State or West Virginia? West Virginia. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, here. Well, yeah, yeah, this is the battle. And, and you know, like a lot of games this year, it's going to be it's going to be fought in the trenches. And and I, I think that when it comes to the the West Virginia offense, you know, their best unit is their offensive line. And they have, um, you know, they have probably six guys or seven guys that they can kind of rotate around. Um, I don't know that they hold up against Penn State, though. I think this is going to be a different animal for for, for them. And um, I, I think it's going to be really, really challenging for uh, uh, for for CJ Donaldson to to, to get any traction and look as a freshman last year, he, you know, he, he certainly held his own and, and, and I didn't know this, but Franklin said in his press conference, Donaldson came in as a tight end and they moved him to running back, which is, which is kind of interesting. Um, but, but, you know, they, they have a couple other running backs. who I think are going to, are, are going to play and it's going to be Donaldson and Justin Johnson are probably two guys to, to really keep an eye on. Um, but no, I just, I don't, I think that I'm not playing, I'm not playing this game because, uh, you know, I, I, Think that it will be a lot of runs from Penn State, so I don't really have a feel for the the total. Um, Penn State could just I shouldn't say Penn State could absolutely just blow the doors off and win sixty three nothing. That wouldn't surprise me. But I think Penn State runs the ball a lot. You're working the clock. Uh, you know the clock doesn't stop after first downs in college football anymore, so you got to factor that in when you're looking at um total. So there's going to be you know a couple less possessions every game. Um, and, and then I'm a little concerned. You know if West Virginia's offensive line is up to the task. West Virginia will be able to run the ball, and they're going to have some long, extended drives. So that's why uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to take it over. Uh, I'm not going to take it under. I just don't know, and I'm not going to take Penn State just because 
you know, if if West Virginia is able to to hold their own in, in the trenches, they, they can they can extend some some long drives. I don't think they're going to score a ton of points or anything, um, and I don't think they're going to win the game. That that's for certain. But um, I, I do think that they they could potentially move the ball. And I just don't, you know, this early in the season, I just don't don't know. Um, my my gut tells me no, and Penn State rolls. But hey, I'm a Penn State homer, so uh, that's what it should tell me. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's funny game, to hear but... you you mentioned you're not betting this game because that is a 7:30 game. After you'll be watching football <laughs> all day long, I guarantee you will have some action on this game. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> Place your bet. Let's move on to your best bets throughout college football for this year. Last year, you went an impressive 58.1 percent in college football. Just an excellent year. You started out this year 0-2. However, looking back, you actually had a had a rough start to college football season last year until you went on a tear from week eight on. So a little slow start, but let's see if we can get back on track. Uh, five games for you. Give me your predictions. The first one is ECU versus uh, Eastern Carolina versus Michigan. Michigan is currently minus 36. Uh, remember last year, Michigan went 13 and one with their only loss coming to TCU in the playoff. We all know that Harbaugh was suspended for three games and Michigan gets Blake Corum back at running back. Uh, ECU, on the other hand, they were eight and five last year, but only returned four starters on offense and six on defense. What's your prediction for this game? Michigan minus 36. Uh, I, I will gladly lay the 36 because East Carolina is going to be worse than last year and Michigan's going to be better than they were last year. Um, Harbaugh not on the sideline. You mentioned it. And I think that's only serves as motivation. And I think he is uh, in the ear of every player in that program. And it's just, uh, just destroy this team. Just absolutely destroy this team. You know, do it for me. Um, I think Michigan just comes out and absolutely steamrolls East Carolina. Um, I, this is a game like a 28, nothing first quarter type of game. Like this is going to be bad. Um, Michigan is, is going to just destroy them. And okay, JJ, so JJ McCarthy is my Heisman pick. So we might as well get off to a good start in this game. <laughs> nice. So if you don't like, uh, if you're not confident laying the 36 and a half, the other option would be, as Joe mentioned, look at what the first half line is for some of these larger lines. You can expect, you know, when you expect a team to get out to a big lead, check out the halftime line, uh, gives you a little bit lower, lower odds. And, you know, by, by the fourth quarter, Michigan starters probably will not be in anymore anyway. So moving on to game two, South Carolina is plus two and a half versus North Carolina. Uh, South Carolina last year, eight and five. The end of the year on a high, though, beating number five, Tennessee and number seven, Clemson in back-to-back weeks before losing to Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. UNC goes into this year ranked uh, 21st in the country. However, they ended the year on a, a rough patch, losing four straight to end the year, but they do bring back their quarterback, Drake May. You said it, I, I think, earlier. Um, South Carolina was a different team the last couple of weeks of last, of last season. And and the, the number one reason for that is, is their quarterback, Spencer Rattler. Uh, I, I am taking South Carolina plus two and a half. You're, you're on a neutral field, so it's not a not a you know, not really a, a home field advantage for either team. I think it'll be pretty evenly split. Um, but Rattler played so well, I'm banking on him to pick up where he left off. And then Drake May is the guy who's always up there, you know, talked about with Caleb Williams. But Drake May has got to got to play for new offensive coordinator this year, which which is is never easy, and especially in that first game. Um, so I, you know, I factor in those two things where I think Rattler could actually outplay May in, in this game. It wouldn't shock me. Um, and and then we also have to have to you know talk about. Um, the freshman. I mean, week zero, we saw uh, Zachary Branch at, at USC just dominate a game. He looked great. Um, 
South Carolina might have the most impressive freshman receiver in the, in the country, though, in Nicholas Harbor. Um, just a monster, an absolute monster who who has track star speed. Um, now, South Carolina was dealing with some injuries all over that receiver room um, earlier earlier in the uh, in the in the uh, preseason or camp. Uh, but it looks like Harbor's healthy. It looks like the other receivers are healthy. So um, th- this guy could just explode in this game. It would not surprise me. I think he's that type of a talent. Uh, the other things that I look at, Shane Beamer, the uh, South Carolina's coach, he's known for, much like his father was, uh, special teams play. South Carolina, under Beamer, has had the best special teams units in the, the, every year that he's, he's been been the head coach there. So, uh, you know, he was a, was a special teams coordinator himself, so it kind of makes sense. Special teams play a huge, huge, huge role, especially when you see spreads that are that are close like this and the first week of the season. We didn't really touch on it with Penn State, but Penn State's breaking in a brand new special teams <laughs> unit. New kicker, new punter, new long snapper, um, new holder, the whole thing. But uh, so, yeah, we can worry about that a little bit. But <clears throat> with South Carolina, they're, they're really good special teams. Um, and mentioning Shane Beamer, 2-0 and in season openers uh, outright, and then 8-2 and against the spread against non-conference opponents is, is Shane Beamer in his tenure. So, um, you know, all points to South Carolina. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident in, in taking those two points and uh, I, I would almost consider playing this one outright. Okay. So you have, you have minus 36 with Michigan and you have a plus two and a half with South Carolina. So you're on both sides of it so far. The next game, Northern Illinois versus Boston college. The line on this is nine and a half in Boston college favor. And the over under is 50 and a half. Now, neither of these teams were great last year of football, uh, both going three and nine. What's your prediction? Well, this is a really, really, really fishy line. Um, how's Boston College almost ten point favorites against anybody? It, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make any sense to me. They, they lose Phil Dracovic the, the, to Pitt. He transfers. They're, they're quarterback and and you know one of the best quarterbacks to play at Boston College since since Matt Ryan. And then they lose their all time leading receiver in Zay Flowers to, to the NFL as well or the, to the NFL. So uh, you you lose a lot. And you're still favored. Uh, Evan Moorhead, Boston College's quarterback, should should be, I, I think, very serviceable. Uh, I think that you have another coach um, uh, on the hot seat there. Um, so there's a, a lot of reasons to say this line is fishy. Get on Boston College. They're going to blow them out. But I don't think that happens with a team like Northern Illinois, who has as a very experienced quarterback, and you can laugh, but – Rocky Lombardi has, has been around for a while. We remember him from Michigan State, but you know now now in Northern Illinois, he, he's very very experienced. Um, and these two teams have, have played in the in the uh, in the recent past, um, and both games were close. Boston College won both by three. Fine. Um, last year, Boston College as home favorites, zero and two. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot of things that point to to North, Northern Illinois here. It's a fishy line, but I I it's one of the ones where I'm probably going to kick myself and say it was so obvious that was such an such an odd line that Boston College was a clear pick but there's just way too much going against Boston College and 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 pointing towards Northern Illinois to to walk away from that I think you know that can be a trap but with an experienced quarterback I think you're okay and and look you have you have a really good coach in Northern Northern Illinois as well um so I, I just think there's a lot of a lot of things to like about Northern Illinois and, and nine and a half is a lot of points to take and I'll, I'll gladly take them but Taking circle that one for in... the one where for the one I come back and, and kick myself. <laughs> Taking points in two of the three games so far. The next Keep game, going. moving on to a team that was even worse than than Northern Illinois and Boston College last year, and that is uh, the University of Southern Florida, South Florida. 
They were one and 11 last year, and they are going up against a Western Kentucky team that was nine and five out of the Conference USA. This line is 11 and a half, and Western Kentucky is the favorite. Give me the points again. USF, 11 and a Three half. points. Uh, look, it's it's early in the season to to presume any team is that much better than than any other, especially when you're, when you're dealing with the likes of South Florida and Western Kentucky. Um, what does South Florida have going for them? It's their, their new head coach. Um, so Alex Golish has uh, done uh, quite a bit in his, in his, I don't know, he's like 30, six years old or something, but um, you know, he was the offensive coordinator most recently at Tennessee and you saw what they did last year. So um, he, he certainly learned quite a bit um, uh, under Josh Heupel and, and added, added a ton to that, to that offense. And I think that this only really benefits uh, USF's quarterback, Jerry Bohannon, who had a lot of success at Baylor as, as their quarterback. And I think he can get back to that kind of success as well. Um, you know, in, in doing just some, some, kind of basic basic research um on on usf's you know recent history uh as as road dogs they're they're pretty good they're covered they cover they're covering a lot of games um and i just think there's a lot of more a lot, lot of new energy behind usf and i think that uh, you know against western kentucky i think right off the bat alex Golish can make a difference and they can score a lot of points so um i'm excited to watch usf this year i think that it could be uh, uh you know i think it could be an exciting exciting year for them they're not going to get back to um you know, where, where they, where they were, uh, you know, a couple, I'm losing track of time, but you know, whatever, five, 10 years ago, they were, they were winning a lot of football games. Um, but I think they get back there pretty quickly. This guy's a really good coach. Um, Jerry Bohannon's experienced quarterback, good quarterback. And I think they keep, they're probably not going to win this game outright, but I think they can certainly keep it within the 11 and a half points. And the last game for this week, we're going to Prime's debut. That is Deion Sanders' debut as a head coach for Colorado. They're going up against uh, T- uh, TCU. So change of program for Colorado. They they moved to the, the Big 12 and they hired Deion Sanders. They went 1-11 last year. Uh, TCU, on the other hand, was a powerhouse last year, finishing up 13-2. and Of course, they, they beat Michigan in the playoff, but then they ultimately got spanked by Georgia in the ship. Uh, Colorado, TCU, line 20.5. Joe, are you taking anything in this one? Uh, give me the under 64 points. Um, I didn't do a ton of homework on this, but, but here's what I know. Uh, TCU is going to be hungover. They're going to have a hangover from from that national championship run. Uh, they don't have Max Duggan. They don't have Quentin Johnson. Those, those are big losses. And then on the other side, Deion Sanders has no idea what he's doing. He's got no clue. Deion Sanders has absolutely no idea how to coach a football team. He's got no clue what he's doing. And you can tell me that he coached. You no, know, I, I understand he won some games with with uh, incredible talent at the lowest level of 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 the the FCS. Um, this is this is different. This is a different animal. Um, they're not going to, his son Shador, uh, sure is a great quarterback, but, but it's not, it's just not going to happen for, for that team. Um, and I'm not, it's not like I'm like, I actively root against Brian Kelly. I, I actively root against Steve Sarkeesian. I'm not actively rooting against Dion. I just know this guy doesn't know what he's doing. They're going to really struggle on offense. And, and T- I don't think TCU scores, you know, 40 points or something like that. So this is a big number. And the one stat I, I do have for this is, um, you know, last week we saw, we saw a lot, a lot of unders came up and, and a lot of people are saying, yeah, maybe, maybe it is because of the new rules. The games are moving a little bit quicker. Um, and, or, I'm sorry. There's, there's less plays in the game and then without stopping after every first down um, that, that could be a reason for it. But in week one um, lines over 60 
taking the under hits like over 60% of the time. So that's kind of like a, like a system play almost there where you just have that. But so I kind of looked at our, what lines are over 60 and this game just jumped out. I I would have taken it if I didn't even know that stat just because I I just don't think Colorado is going to score. And I don't think TCU is going to be, you know, just firing on all cylinders like they were at the end of last year. um, You know, when they, when they took down Michigan. So uh, there's, there's, a lot of excitement around Colorado and uh, the letdowns could just going to be, it's, it's going to be equally as, uh, as entertaining to see. Um, so yeah, under in that game. So to recap, Michigan minus 36, South Carolina plus two and a half, uh, Northern Illinois plus nine and a half, South Florida plus 11 and a half and Colorado versus TCU under 64. All Saturday plays we're, we're avoiding the Thursdays, the Sundays, there's a lot of temptation there, all Saturdays. That being said, there is one game that is within, uh, you know, two tw- top 25 teams that are matching up. Uh, you mentioned your your despise for Brian Kelly, and he is coaching in this game for LSU. This game is on Sunday, so your rule for this year is not to bet any games outside of Saturday. But this is, you know, probably the best game of the weekend. If you look across the board, there, there's not too many, uh, you know, uh, amazing matchups to look out yeah, for. So tough, you have tough week one. LSU minus two and a half uh, at Florida State, who are the eight ranked team uh, in the country this year. Um, what do you how do you see this one playing out? Well, you know, my thoughts on Florida State, I, I have them, you know, over nine and a half wins. So I'll be very attentively watching this game because if they, I think if they beat LSU, um, then then you're you're right there. You're probably hitting that over already. So a uh, huge game in that regard. Um, like, like, you know, like I mentioned in, in podcasts, I don't know, maybe last week or two weeks ago, losing, losing time here, uh, getting ready for football season. But uh, you know, I think, I think Florida state does have truly one of the, if not the best defensive player in college football and Jared verse. Um, I think that everyone needs to, needs to keep, keep their eyes open for this guy. Um, he, he is, he is is about as good as a uh, defensive player you're, you're going to see this season in, in in football. So I kind of expect him to be to be a bit of a game wrecker. Um, look, this is this is a a huge huge game for both programs, and you know while it might not necessarily dictate um, you know one of these teams being uh, being eliminated from playoff contention, uh, I think a win goes a very 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 long way um, into doing that, and. and make no mistake both these teams have um both these teams have uh, a- a- aspirations to to be in the playoff and and you know these guys aren't matching up against each other but the other thing to watch for in this game is two of the best quarterbacks in college football and a uh, guy Jordan Travis who who I you know I've said I put right behind uh, uh Caleb Williams and JJ McCarthy and then and then Jaden Daniels at LSU uh who's just an electric player very exciting to watch so um going to be a great just a great great game great way to enjoy Sunday kind of uh uh, get us in that Sunday mentality of watching football for when the NFL begins. It'll be an awesome game. Place your bets. For Joe Simonera, I'm Shane Curran. That's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, and always bet on yourself. Philly and the Over is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?